Welcome back to Max Morning Market Mania. I am back. You're listening to this on July 18th, 2022, Monday, of course, as it's Max's Monday Morning Market Mania. So I apologize. It's been a couple weeks, but it is so good to be back. Uh, two weeks ago, 4th of July was on a Monday, so we didn't do the Monday Morning Market Mania. And by the time Wednesday came for a midweek, I was on my way up north. Following that, we, we went to, uh, the guys and I went to a music festival called Bliss Fest in northern Michigan. It's in Harbor Springs. Lots of fun. We had an absolute riot, camped in the woods, listened to some amazing music, did some snorkeling in Lake Michigan. We had a fucking riot. And by the time we came back on Monday, I was all blissed out. But I'm here. I'm back. I'm fresh. I'm ready to give you guys the juice. So, stocks. Not the least bit interesting over the last couple of weeks. If you weren't paying attention, you didn't really miss much. But I figured I'd start with some year-over-year -year statistics because last week we found out that year-over-year -year consumer price index, you know, our measure of inflation, came out at 9.1%. And for anybody who doesn't know, 9.1% is horrible. That means... You put away $100,000 last year in June and you go get it out today or last month in June, then over those 12 months, that $100,000 can only buy $91,000 worth of goods in last year's dollars. And I have a few statistics to help uh, give you a visualization of how that works. I'll get to that in a little bit, but to the year-over-year -year statistics, we got the Dow Jones down 9.8% year over year. The NASDAQ down 20.62% year over year. S&P 500 down 10.7. And Bitcoin down almost 34%. And we have the best performing major asset class of the year, gold at minus 2.5%. So not even that bad. And Silver down 25%. So you guys know I love gold and silver because they protect us against the idiots in our government, the idiots that print currency like it's a contest, the idiots that print currency and fucking ship it all over the world. And I'm not a fan of that. And I don't want to hold these phony baloney US dollars that come off the printing press by the trillions. It's supposed to res resemble economic output but all it resembles is a piece of paper that was printed or digitally printed, even more efficient. You don't even need the paper. So essentially it's worth nothing without our confidence and our belief that it does have value. But for all these numbers, I would argue that they're actually down that percentage and add another minus 9.1% on top of that. So say you buy $100,000 worth of the NASDAQ in June of 2021, and you sell out in June of 2022, exactly one year later, we'll round it to minus 20%, that's your return. But you can't forget that those dollars are buying less than they did the year before. In fact, the government tells us it's 9.1% less. We know those numbers are fraud. I've gone over that plenty of times. You, it, you just got to do a little bit of digging, do your own research, and you can see that the numbers simply do not add up. It's all fraud. The inflation is much worse than they say it is. I reckon it's closer to 17 or 18%. And 5% is enough to be afraid of. 9.1% is kind of panicky. And 15% plus, that's shit your pants scary. 
So those are the numbers. Uh, you know, I'm an advocate for gold and it is down 2.5% on the year uh, with inflation, you might call it 12, 13%, whatever. Uh, I still like gold. I still like silver. They're inflation hedges. They can't print it. They can't, well, they, they can manipulate it and they do. Actually, after we got record inflation numbers that were released, gold and silver actually performed horribly, horribly. And the dollar, the DXY, which is a basket of currencies measured against the dollar, so it demonstrates the dollar's strength, that's actually at its highest point since shortly after the COVID crunch. So that easily could be uh, a catalyst for gold and silver to sell off. So, you know, I, I argue about the manipulation. It's kind of in... It's hidden in plain sight because as the dollar strengthens, you certainly would expect gold and silver to decrease in value. But 9.1% inflation, that's horrible. I don't know why everybody would be pooling into dollars. Well, I do know why because cash is king, but cash is also trash. Uh, I'll go into that a little bit. You know, cash, if you held cash from... June of 2021 to June of 2022, your whatever you have, X dollars, it's still X dollars. It's not, you didn't lose anything other than the value of everything else increasing. You're able to buy less goods. You're able to buy fewer goods with your dollars. So, you know, you might have been able to buy 100 gallons of milk with your savings or whatever. Now you can only buy uh, 91 gallons of milk. So you, you guys understand the principle of inflation, but in that scenario, we knew inflation was going to go nuts. Uh, back in the Trump administration, when, you know, COVID hit, you know, it, there were some complications with the Federal Reserve in September of 2019, and they, they were in a crunch, and it looked like shit was going to hit the fan. And honestly, this, this, this virus that came out, it... It was honestly perfect timing for us to just roll out the money on the printing press and just print it by the trillions and satisfy all those uh, liquidity issues in the overnight repurchasing market, which is very complicated. I'm not smart enough to get into it. I'd recommend listening to Mark Moss. He's really smart and he can, he and George Gammon, they can, in, they can enlighten you on the reverse repo market, repurchase, it's not repossess, the reverse repo market and the repo market. It's just overnight lending, but they can explain it a lot better than I can. But anyway, you hold those dollars, you wouldn't have lost anything nominally, but your real losses would have been, you know, the whatever inflation did. So with that being said, cash might be king because if you just held dollars over the last year, you did way better than anybody who bought Bitcoin to protect themselves against inflation. You did better than anybody who bought the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ or S&P 500 or gold or silver to protect against inflation, which it seems logical to, you know, put your money into inflation hedges, uh, set Bitcoin aside. It's, it's very speculative. It's new. It's not a, that established of an asset class. But you would think that these assets and growing businesses would do better than dollars holding cash in a safe. But in fact, they didn't. And that's because we are on the cusp of a recession. It is not a fact yet. They actually revised the first quarter GDP 
uh, contraction to an even lower number. So it was worse than they originally reported. And we do not have the second quarter of GDP numbers released yet. I don't know the actual date, but it's sometime in July because uh, July 1st starts quarter three. So we can expect those soon. Maybe I'll be reporting on them next Monday, probably the Monday after because I looked at the calendar and I didn't see the GDP numbers unless I overlooked it. But anyway, a uh, few things I want to get into today. You know, I said the stock market, it was pretty much flat. Bitcoin was pretty much flat over the last uh, two, three, four weeks. Stocks plus minus 2%. Nothing crazy, no wild fluctuations. You know, Bitcoin is hovering in a range between 18 and 22,000. It briefly touched 22,000 and it got absolutely rejected. There's resistance there. And all investors around the world, they they know that this is not over yet. They know that we haven't seen the worst of it. That's why people are pooling into cash because it's, it's, it's safe. It's safe relative to the volatility in the stock market, the volatility in the precious metals market or the Bitcoin market. These, these other asset classes, they can have wild fluctuations. But inflation, unless it's bad hyperinflation like in Weimar, Germany or in Venezuela or whatever, then the it happens slowly but surely. It'll eat your wealth a lot slower than these other asset classes will. So cash, yeah, it's king sometimes. And those who held cash, they, instead of being taken advantage of by the volatility, they're able to take advantage of it because they're still sitting on cash. Now, my dumbass pulled into all these asset classes to hedge against inflation. And instead of hedging against inflation, they did the exact opposite, and they went down in value as inflation went up. So double whammy with the losses. But cash is trash because of this story. This came out, I think, early last week, maybe last weekend. Uh, in 1934, somebody decided to put $2,000 cash into a box and hide it under their porch. They must have forgot about it or passed or something and the new homeowner of the house, he actually found it. $2,000 cash, you know, oh, that's awesome. He's cleaning up. Well, back in 1934, when he put that away, that's equivalent to $46,000 in today's money. Now that doesn't sound that good, now does it? So I ran a few numbers, and this is an example of why cash is trash. Cash is trash in terms of it being a long-term investment. This person, well, it wasn't a person holding cash, but the cash sat there and it did nothing. It didn't go to work. It didn't get invested into a productive growing company. It didn't get put into gold. You know, we could have bought gold at 35 bucks an ounce then and, you know, it'd be worth 1710 right now. But in 1934, I ran some numbers. How much gas could you get for that $2,000 in 1934 versus how much you can get today? Now, I ran the numbers on... Uh, last month's uh, peak in gas prices, which was $5, and actually the national average has decreased to $4.53. Uh, I didn't correct the number on this one yet. Uh, you, you'll get the point, though. So in 1934, $2,000 would get you 10,500 gallons of gas. Can you imagine that? You need a fucking, you need a warehouse to store that. And you also can't just hold on to gas for that long. But today... 
it'll get you a little over 400 gallons. Cash is trash. Milk, back in 1934, that money could get you 4,444 gallons of milk. Today, it'll get you 491 gallons of milk per the national average. Bacon, you could get 10,000 pounds of bacon. Shit, that would be awesome. I love bacon. 10,000 fucking pounds? It'll take, it'll spoil before I can eat it. But you get 10,000 pounds of bacon. Now you can only get 277 pounds of bacon. And we know bacon was one of the highest price increases over the last couple years due to the inflation and the supply of crunches. Bread. You could get 22,222 loaves of bread for that $2,000. Now you can only get 800 loaves of bread. So that... Another figure to put it into perspective, $100 today, or two, all right, let me reverse that. Uh, $2,111 today is equal to $100 back in 1934. Cash is trash. So holding cash in the long run, no good. You guys get the point? That's enough on that. So to sum that up, Cash gives you the ability to take advantage of the volatility in the investing markets rather than being taken advantage of. You can buy the dip. If you already invested all your money, you can't buy the dip. But cash, if you hold that shit for 10, 20 years, it will get destroyed by inflation. So my favorite inflation hedge, it's not gold, it's actually silver. It's because silver is in very short supply. It is in a hopelessly over-leveraged market and it is needed for the electrification of our world. It has so many industrial uses. It's used in antiseptics, it's used in solar panels, uh, it's used in electric cars, it's used in your refrigerator, your cell phone. We absolutely need silver, and if we don't increase production, we are guaranteed to run out eventually. So for that reason, I'm bullish on silver. Temporarily, like in the near term, I'm bearish on everything besides the US dollar. Even though it's being inflated away, I'm bearish on everything because people are scared, people are flocking to the dollar, but I'm still going to be buying silver. Silver actually got as low as $18.50, and like I said, down 25% since last year. That's, that's honestly a pretty bad return on investment, but I like it because there's no counterparty risk. You know, the dollars, they can, in, they can inflate that away, they can print it. They can create it out of thin air, but you can't create silver out of thin air. The, one ounce of silver will always be an ounce of silver. One ounce of gold will always be one ounce of gold. I like the same thing about Bitcoin. One Bitcoin will be one Bitcoin no matter what. But this is what I discovered today while I was on usdebtclock.org, one of my favorite websites. I use that to monitor how irresponsible our government is, you know, $30.5 trillion in national debt, 160 some trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities, you know, the our social security system, it's it it's basically insolvent unless we have some crazy economic surplus where we can funnel trillions more dollars into the social security system. So if you're banking on social security and you're uh, under the age of I don't I can't do the numbers right now, but I think the number was 2031 where it's set to not have enough money. So if you're retiring after that, don't bank on Social Security. But anyway, this paper silver scheme, I've talked about this a couple times in the past, there is an overwhelming majority 
of paper contracts for each physical ounce. And I've used an analogy like, or yeah, I've used the analogy that it's like a game of mu musical chairs. So I just found out that there's actually 400 paper contracts for each physical silver ounce. 400 people are claiming ownership on one ounce. Now that's out of whack. You got 400 people walking around one fucking chair. And whenever this rigging scheme ends or comes to a conclusion, unfortunately only one person will get that chair and it appears that 399 will be shit out of luck. Maybe they'll be reimbursed with useless fiat dollars. I don't know. So I mentioned that paper or uh, silver got as low as $18.50. Gold got as low as $1,710. And that's actually not where I imagined it would be. It hit $2,089, or maybe it was $2,079, give or take, back after Putin invaded Ukraine. And I thought that was going to kind of break the system. But liquidity crunch got got absolutely clobbered. So another thing, the producer price index. So this is not the consumer price inflation, it's the producer price inflation. So we consume, other people produce, the cost to produce went up 11.3% year over year. And this is kind of a precursor to what's next. So with the producer price index at 11.3%, my forecast for the consumer price index Next month, which will be you know July of 2021 to July of 2022, my forecast is that it will increase. I mentioned that the DXY was on a tear, and the euro is not. The euro is down 11% this year, and for the first time in 2020, or first time in 20 years, pardon me, first time in 20 years, the euro is worth one to one the U.S. dollar. They're equal. And it peaked at $1.60, or uh, the euro was worth $1.60 USD, and that was in the, the great financial crisis in 2008. But Europe, honestly, their forecast looks a little bit worse than us. Their inflation is out of hand, just like ours is. Their central bank is just as irresponsible as ours. The only difference is they're not the global reserve currency. Uh, they are heavily dependent on natural gas. Where does that natural gas come from? It comes from Russia. And who's in charge of Russia? Putin. And what is Putin doing? Bad shit. And he's disrupting all these supply chains. And natural gas has absolutely exploded in price. And it doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. It's not as high as it was uh, in the winter. Or maybe it was early spring. But everybody is kind of forecasting a energy crisis for Europe this winter. So I pray for all of them in Europe. Uh, I don't really know how to solve that. They're so dependent on Putin's gas, his natural gas, and really depends on what he's going to do. And they need to honestly just, they need to become more energy independent because we can't be relying on some psycho on the other side of the world who's invading countries and shit. We can't rely on him for our energy. That's quite unwise. So speaking of energy, uh, there was actually some public outrage uh, from our strategic petroleum reserve, which is 
So strategic petroleum reserve, what is that? It's our, it's our oil hoard. We're hoarding oil and it's just to increase our sovereignty and independence. It would be unwise to not have a huge stockpile of oil. We're, we're so dependent on oil, individuals, businesses. The world runs on oil, let's be real. And it's at our strategic oil reserve is at its lowest level since 1986. And in an effort to calm down global gas prices, uh, the Biden administration released 5 million barrels of oil, and they were actually diverted from U.S. refiners to Europe and Asia. And people were quite outraged with that. Who's to blame? I don't know. It might be a, it sounded like it was a highest bidder kind of scenario, which I particularly would disagree with. I, well, I, I wouldn't disagree with that fact. I just wouldn't be happy with that fact because, you know, our government, we can afford, for those just listening, I put up the quotation marks, we can afford to send 50 billion to Ukraine. We just gave them another 1.7 billion. Obviously, we're not hurting for money. Sarcasm right there. If we're not hurting for money, why don't we not give the oil to the highest bidder, which ended up being countries in Europe and Asia. China got a million barrels of oil. And if we're not hurting for money, why don't we just sell it at a discount to us? Now, I'm a capitalist. I, I know that's not how the world works. But if we're giving billions and billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars to some country on the other side of the world having a border war, then we might be able to afford to help out our own people rather than people on the other side of the world by giving them our oil from our strategic oil reserve. And by the way, 5 million barrels will do absolutely nothing. It's, it's a drop in the bucket. It's, it's absolutely nothing. And actually, maybe it was one of the highest bidders. Uh, was it Sinopec? Uh, Hunter Biden's firm actually has a very significant stake in Sinopec, and they managed to get 950,000 barrels of oil. It's controversial to some. It's not controversial to others. Do your own research. I don't know. Just figured I'd point it out. Just giving you some facts. So oil, as I mentioned, $4.53. That's national average. And it is down from $5. Uh, oil, crude oil peaked at $130 a barrel back around March. Now it's only $97. So we did see a little decrease in the prices at the pump, and I don't think it was because Biden tweeted that the gas stations are to blame and they should lower the price at the pump. I don't know where he gets, what he gets thinking that that propaganda can slide. You and I, we're not that dumb. We can see right through that bullshit, and you know that it's a problem when the owner of the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, the most pro-Biden media outlet, the most anti-Trump media outlet out there. He was criticizing Biden for making that tweet because it's utter nonsense. You know, he, he said the Putin price hike, you know, we weren't dumb enough for him to, for, we weren't dumb enough to believe that. So he tried blaming the gas stations or whatever. Now he's trying to blame the oil companies. Uh, I saw something that the Biden administration put out saying that, uh, Maybe they were comparing, yeah, they were comparing the price of crude oil declining from roughly $120, $130 down to 100 
and gas prices at the pump not declining in the same exact percentage, which for anybody who understands the futures market, that isn't how it works. And I see a lot of criticism online from, you know, people who are experts after reading one Facebook post or one, one tweet. They're like, oh, the gas companies, they're to blame. Uh, back in 08, when oil was $100 a barrel, gas was cheaper than now, and it's still $100 a barrel. But that's utter nonsense. Look at the price of oil back during the COVID crunch, March of 2020. It was negative $35 per barrel. Now, do you think British Petroleum was paying the refiners to... Do you think British Petroleum was paying them $35 to take the oil off their hands? Absolutely fuck no. That's not how it works. Now, that's the futures market for you. There's big players. It's leveraged. There's high-frequency traders in there, and uh, things got out of whack. So just know this. The futures market does not determine the value of the underlying good. That's enough on oil. I was pretty happy to pay only $4.49 the other day, though. I was, I was like a kid in a candy store. Car only takes 11 gallons, but, uh, you know, still a lot more than it was in the past. So we're still on energy, uranium. You know, she was up at $62 in April, down to $46.50 right now. The incentive price, by that I mean the price that would incentivize the miners to pull it out of the ground so that they can sell it for a profit is around $75. So there's been a long period of time where it was not economic for the miners to pull it out of the ground because, for example, I'm just spitting out numbers, for example, it would cost them $40 to pull a pound of uranium out of the ground and they'd only be able to sell it for $27. Is that economic? No. So they didn't. Uh, all the uranium that was used in that time was just from reserves. And if it's not economic to pull it out of the ground, they won't. And if they're not pulling it out of the ground and we continue our usage, which we are, then our supply dwindles. And what happens when our supply dwindles? We run out and we are basically guaranteed a uranium shortage as well. Now, it won't actually run out because it'll get close to the point where it's running out and the cure for low supply is high prices. When everyone realizes we're running out of uranium, prices will go up. That's how supply and demand works. And prices go up, miners will be incentivized to pull it out of the ground. Now, uranium was up at 130 bucks at its peak. I believe that to be 2007. <clears throat> And you could inflation adjust that to a much higher number. But bottom line is we have a long way to go with uranium. <clears throat> Speaking of inflation adjusted, I ran some numbers. So this is off of the government reported official inflation numbers, which I believe to be are fraudulent. There's absolute undeniable proof that they are fraudulent. But if you use the government's inflation numbers, the inflation-adjusted all-time high for silver was $120 back in 1980. And if we use the actual inflation, I believe that number would be significantly higher. So a silver at $19 and its inflation-adjusted high at $120, I think it's an extraordinary buy right now. And I'd buy it right now, and I'd want to buy it even when the price goes lower. Beauty of dollar-cost averaging. So what else have we to cover? Uh, 
I think that covers most of it. Uh, there was one other thing with that I forgot to touch on when I was bringing up the $2,000 cash that was found from 1934. A car costing $15,000 in 1934 would now cost $122,000 in today's dollars. That's another example of how inflation can absolutely destroy the purchasing power of your dollars. You know, in school they told us, get a job, save money, retire. Well, I don't want to save money, at least not for an extended period of time, with inflation doing this. And interest rates, even with the 10-year the Treasury on June 14th, it peaked out at 3.5%. I'm still not all that interested in earning 3.5% interest on a currency that's losing 9.1% in value every single year. That is return-free risk. That's nothing I'm interested in. And, ah, I'll conclude it with this little puppy. So as we know, the Pelosi's are among the most successful traders in the country. Uh, they've done better than Warren Buffett. And I wonder why. And I have one term, I call it insider trading. Back in the past, we saw uh, legislation for uh, electric car subsidies. And what do you know? Before they passed these electric car subsidies, guess who had a whole bunch of call options on Tesla, an electric car company? Paul Pelosi. Pelosi family has been cleaning up in the stock market. They've been doing very well. And ahead of a Senate vote to give a $52 billion subsidy to the semiconductor industry, we found out that Paul Pelosi exercise call options that are equal to 20,000 shares of NVIDIA. The report said that between one in five million dollars, one in one, one million, sorry, between one million and five million dollars was the value of his financial contracts on these semiconductor companies. So Paul Pelosi's bullish on semiconductors. So I guess I am too. So that wraps it up, discussed a little bit of inflation, discussed a little bit of the recent prices, how inflation also impacts your losses in the stock market. You're down 20% on these stocks. Well, the dollars lost 9.1%, so you might actually be down 29% rather than just 20%. Uh, discussed a little bit about the energy sector, Europe's pending energy crisis, and I feel like that's a good place to conclude it. And as you guys remember, I do this to encourage you all to educate yourselves further financially because nobody is here to save us. The education system, the formal education system at least, they didn't teach us shit about investing. I feel as though if they actually cared about us and wanted our and had our best interest in mind, then we would know a lot of these things like good debt versus bad debt. Uh, how to pick a, a sound company that has a prosperous financial future in, in you know, uh, investing in inflation hedges, preserving wealth, investing in real estate. I don't trust the system. I don't trust these idiots in our government. I don't trust the idiots controlling our education system. And I don't, of course, I don't trust the media. So we don't trust any of these motherfuckers so we got to leave it to ourselves to do our own research, listen to people that we trust, hearing both sides, 
hearing different opinions, and always educating ourselves. So that is a probably pretty solid recipe to at least gain our knowledge. And if we gain our knowledge, we might be able to increase our financial freedom. And that is how we can free ourselves from this corrupt system. This corrupt system will have us by the balls if we are poor. This inflation, it, it destroys the people at the bottom, but those at the top, they're doing just fine. And it seems like everything, all these policies, everything they're doing, it directly benefits the people at the top and provides direct disadvantages for those at the bottom. So the cure for that, the way to avoid getting fucked by that is financial freedom. So let's do it together. Guys, I'm here. My name is Max Kozmalski. If you ever want to reach out, you want to share some ideas, share some information, talk shit, hit me up. I'm here on Instagram. You can find me. It's, it's 2022. You should be able to find me pretty easily. And with that, thank you everyone for listening. That was Max's Morning Market Mania. <laughs>